0: All right, Alexander, let's talk about what is going on in Ukraine and uh, the counteroffensive, the offensive, the counteroffensive, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Here's something interesting before you you give us the info on what is happening on the ground. And I'm sure you're going to talk about Zaporozhye. You may want to talk about uh, Lindsey Graham and Blumenthal and their nuclear uh, escalation Whoa. threats, <laughs> yeah, a lot of threats about the ZN, yeah, a lot of threats about the ZNPP no, no. as well, coming yeah. from Ukraine. So they're up yeah. to, they're they're hoping to cook up something. That's that's clear yeah. that they yeah. want to do something. But before you get into all of all of the stuff, whether it's on the ground or the geopolitical, here's something interesting from uh, Ukraine Finance Minister Kaluba. He was speaking to a Ukrainian uh, TV channel, I believe Strana Strana TV. And, uh, you know, the first narrative about the, the, the big uh, counteroffensive that we were fed for the past three months was this lightning lightning quick strike uh, to the Sea of Azov, splitting the, the Russian forces, severing the land bridge, uh, cutting off Russian supply lines, and then going after Crimea it was going to be within three to five days, and, you know, Russian military in a panic, and the Putin government in a panic, and that was going to be... The end of everything there for uh, Russia. Then the narrative from Austin, Milley, and even Macron is that, whoa, wait a minute. This is this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. It's going to take time. This is a big operation. The Russians are well dug in. Uh, we were expecting these losses. That's what uh, Milley said and Austin. We were expecting this outcome. This is no surprise to us. This is going to take time. It's going, to go out, it's going to go throughout the whole summer and uh, just, you know, keep in mind that this is going to drag on for many months. And even Macron said, said the same thing. Anyway, so I can finish up. Kaluba, in this interview, he said, no, 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 no. This is not a sprint. This is not a marathon. What you're actually seeing are a bunch of small counteroffensives, mini counteroffensives. And these mini counteroffensives, over time, is just going to add up to one big uh, counteroffensive, which will then knock out Russia from uh, from this conflict. So, I just thought I would say that before you get into everything that's going on. Maybe maybe it's relevant to what you want to discuss on the ground. Anyway, that's the, that's the foreign minister Kaluba. It More highly, a lot
1: of it different it, narratives. It is highly relevant because the fact that they're changing their narratives all the time is a is a, the clearest sign that you can possibly get that things are going very, very seriously wrong. Now, every day, we've had more of this this morning, Ukraine tries something on the Zaporozhia lines. And, you know, sometimes it advances a little, sometimes it captures the odd village. Uh, Nearly always, it's eventually pushed back. It's, in the meantime, taking huge casualties. And we're going to come to that in a moment. And it is not breaking through. I mean, this offensive, which you are absolutely correct. I mean, if you look at what Ukraine tried to do in the first two weeks, they were undoubtedly trying to break through in a big in a big with a big single attack. And they failed. I mean, nobody throws away dozens of tanks or hundreds of tanks trying to carry out piecemeal attacks or probing attacks or in marathon battles or anything of that kind and that hasn't succeeded though they can't stop the political imperatives now of continuing are so strong that they have to continue attacking and that's what they're doing so they're attacking in all sorts of different places at different times trying to find a weak spot and so far Up to this point they have completely failed and the problem is the clock is now ticking now yesterday we got one of the most interesting um pieces of information from russia that we have ever had over the course of this war and that is that we've had a big explanation from the Russian Security Council. There's a meeting at the Russian Security Council. The Russian Security Council is the highest top policy decision-making body in Russia. And they did an actual review there of the state of the offensive. And it was chaired by Putin. There were reports from Petrushev, who is the intelligence chief, the overall intelligence chief, and from Shoigu. And they provided incredibly detailed facts about the state of things and they said a number of things and they were very interesting they said that um, well ukraine has lost 246 tanks in basically two weeks of fighting 246 tanks i mean even by second world war standards those are extremely heavy losses they spoke about lots of other machines being lost as well they said that the number of leopard twos that have been destroyed is around 13 this out of about 60 that were delivered so you know you can get a sense of the number of tanks machines bradley's lots of bradley's apparently destroyed lots of uh, other types of armor lots of artillery destroyed they also said that Ukrainian manpower losses were 13,000, that this was their calculation, that in this roughly just over two-week period, 13,000 Ukrainian troops had been killed or wounded. And for the first time, they disclosed how they, they reached these figures, and Shoyu said that it came from intercepts that they're able to intercept Ukrainian communications. When Ukrainian commanders lose men, they report back to headquarters. The Russians are overhearing this and that gives them a sense of the number of losses Ukraine has had at any particular moment in time. So that gives us an idea of how the Russian Ministry of Defense collates its losses. Then they also talked about the weapons that the West is supplying Ukraine. And they said that there's still a lot of weapons coming, hundreds of tanks, hundreds upon hundreds of infantry fighting vehicles. But the Russians Shoigu Petrushev said, these are old vehicles. The tanks are from earlier generations. And even though the quantities have been enormous, I mean, objectively, I, I read somewhere, that in one year, the West has given Ukraine more tanks than uh, the Soviet Union gave to North Vietnam in the entire 20 years of the conflict there. So that gives you some idea of the scale of Western support for Ukraine. The Russians are saying that, you know, all of these weapon systems that have been supplied by the West to Ukraine, they're not going to make any difference, and they also disgust their own weapons production which is multiples greater in terms of what the West is um, supplying to Ukraine. And they also talked about the fact that tens of thousands of people are now being recruited. I think it was 1,300 people are joining the Russian military every day, I think. I I think I read that correctly, Um, that whole army groups are being created, in other words, time is running out. You can't, the West is running up against the fact that Ukraine is losing men and machines in this offensive. The West cannot replace these men and machines that Ukraine is losing. And at the same time, Russia is building up steadily and very, very fast. And this is, now creating a, this is now creating a sense of urgency. So you're, going to, you're starting to see um, increasingly desperate moves being planned. So on the one hand, you have Kuleba. He's talking about there'll be lots of little offensives in little places. Eventually, this will turn into a big cumulative offensive, and that will be the knockout blow that we will use in order to defeat the Russians. At a factual level... That is nonsense. That is not what has been happening on the actual battlefields. But he has to say that because he has to keep up the momentum of Western support because without that Western support, we can now definitely see that Ukraine is going to collapse. And at the same time, the Ukrainians are becoming increasingly desperate. Their Western sponsors are becoming increasingly desperate. They have to try and find some means of turning this round fast, and that's, I'm afraid, where we get ideas like the Zaporozhye Nuclear Power Plant, um, cross-border raids across the Dnieper River, amphibious operations across the Dnieper River, and that kind of thing. And the Zaporozhye Nuclear Power Plant is the one to watch, because they're now saying that they're going to carry out a drill to prepare for the destruction of this nuclear power plant. There's talk about the fact that the Russians have planted explosives in it to blow it up, all of these kind of things. And it does make one wonder exactly what they have in mind. And I have to say, it looks to me increasingly reckless, increasingly dangerous, but these are becoming people who are becoming increasingly desperate as well. And desperation... Reads recklessness, and you can see where this is coming. I would add that even as Ukraine is hammering against these Russian lines in Zaporozhye and Kherson and um, southern Donetsk region, not making any progress there. Remember, all the fighting—it's still in the grey zone. They still haven't actually reached the real Russian fortified lines. We're now almost three weeks into this offensive and they've made no progress um there's been a there's been a very good detailed discussion of all of this by lieutenant colonel daniel davis um uh, at 45 and he said this isn't working at all this um offensive isn't going anywhere and he actually said, time is running out for this offensive to work through. Even as all that is going on, the Russians are on the offensive in other places. So it looks like there's some kind of crisis developing around Kupiansk, this town in the north, which Ukraine captured back in the autumn, recaptured back in the autumn from the Russians. It's looking as if Kupiansk is now um, at risk of being recaptured by the Russians, there's reports yesterday starting to pour in that the Russians are also invite, are advancing on Lehman. There's problems elsewhere, apparently, on the battle lines. So you can see how the desperation is starting to grow. So they have to pull, out, pull something out of the hat fast. And I have to say, the Zaporozhye nuclear power plant is increasingly looking like it might be the, the thing that they're going to try to go for.
0: Well, that's that's the only thing that, or, or one of the only things that they have left. They're, they're not going to win uh, a direct head on conflict with Russia. You know, we've said on many videos on the Durand that when the Ukraine military has faced off against the Russian military, you know, head on, face to face, uh, U- Ukraine has never been able to, to break through and, and forget about the headstone counteroffensive and, Counteroffensive offensive or Siege of Kiev. All that stuff is nonsense. nonsense. It's all scripted nonsense. Whenever they faced off against the Russian military head-on, it has never ended well for the Ukraine military. I, I can't think of one instance no. No. where they have been able to break through throughout these, yes. this past year and a half, throughout the past nine years of yes. this conflict, going back to 2015. Yes. But the the, the the clock is ticking because you have the big date, which is the NATO uh, meeting in July, I believe July yes. 11th and 12th in Vilnius. Yes. yes. And the only, the only way that, that the support can continue for Ukraine, for the Aletsky regime, is if they create some sort of big distraction, a, a false flag, a provocation, a sabotage event. And I'm thinking on the scale of Nord Stream, and and that's where you have the ZMPP. That's where you have uh, Lindsey Graham and Blumenthal. I don't think it's a coincidence that they've come out with this resolution at this time either in this press conference. They're obviously prepping the American public to go along with the NATO intervention, which essentially means a U.S. intervention. I mean, it's the only thing that I can conceive at this moment in time for them to uh, – To continue the the money and the weapons to to flow to to Ukraine so that they can go into into the meeting in in Vilnius and no one talks about the counteroffensive. No one bothers to mention it. There's there's no discussion about it. There's no discussion about the failure of it. It's not even on the agenda because everyone is talking about this provocation, whatever it's going to be. Today, it's the ZMPP. I'm sure the Russians are aware of everything that's going on, but maybe they're cooking up other stuff as well. Maybe it's F-16s flying out of Romania. I don't know. But obviously, they need something to distract away from this catastrophe and to keep the money flowing. And this is what they do all the time. My, my, mind, my mind goes right away to uh, this Titan sub, which has been in the news cycle for a week. Mm. deliberately in the news cycle yeah, absolutely we found out absolutely from wall street journal yeah. in order to distract away from shift from Durham, from hunter biden from the doj from the irs and everything that i'm sure all our viewers know about everything that has come out this week no one's paid attention to it no because any. But Deliberately, they were running f- this
1: this Titan sub-story. Absolutely. It, it, it's also, the same technique yeah. that they're going to try yes. to
0: implement in Ukraine.
1: Absolutely. Well, that's exactly correct. And I mean, it's going to be on a... Uh, and I have to say, if you actually read this draft resolution that Graham and Blumenthal are coming up with, um, it does actually point, to my mind, very much to the um, ZNPP. Now, can I just make a point? Lindsey Graham was actually in Kiev just a few days before the offensive took place. And he said the offensive is going to happen in a few days. He said that he was shown the plans. So we know that Ukraine shares its plans with him. I mean, that's an important point to make. And he also said that the Russians will be, t- be shocked when it happens. He clearly was expecting, by the way, a breakthrough. So just, just, just to add that, I mean, so I mean, you know, again, it, it's not all this talk about little offensives and probing attacks and all that—that's absolute nonsense. I mean, it clearly was intended to be a big breakthrough uh, with an armored fist on the first couple of days. That was clearly what Lindsey Graham thought, and he said as much after he left Kiev. But the key point to take away from that is the Ukrainians were sharing their plans with him. And it looks to me as if they're sharing their plans with him now, because he comes along with Blumenthal, with a resolution that talks about, you know, nuclear incidents and invoking Article 5 and all of that. And we see all these threats and concerns about the ZMPP. So, coincidence... Well, maybe, but what we've seen in the past with Lindsey Graham and his contacts with Ukraine suggests a different story. And, you know, I I am actually really very worried about this because, you know, what may happen with the ZMPP is very, very worrying. They've drained the Kharkovka reservoir. There's stories that they might try and send a lightly-equipped... Commando group to try and seize the ZNPP. That may be what they plan. I don't think it's a good idea at all, by the way, and I've discussed why many times. I mean, there's no cover trying to cross this reservoir. I suspect the ground in most of it is pretty soft. I think they'd be caught out in the open, be it at night or in the day. I think I think it I think it would fail. But there, the way they're talking now is not about capturing the ZMPP, but about creating some massive incident connected to it. And that's why we're having all these drills. That's why we're having all this talk about explosions in the ZMPP. And that's, it seems to me, why we're seeing these draft resolutions coming from Graham and Blumenthal. And, you know, again, it's the sheer recklessness of this, because playing around with the nuclear power plant especially what the biggest one in europe seems i mean beyond reckless but already talking about article 5 and how does article 5 even apply here ukraine isn't a member of nato i mean you know they they're trying to create all kinds of tangential claims that this could reach other european exactly but i mean um, i mean you could I mean, that, that seems an absurd, uh, I mean, that seems, already that seems absurd to me, actually. But, I mean, that they're, they're trying to sort of bring in Article 5 in some way. And this, in order to justify some kind of military intervention against a superpower, and remember, Putin just said a few days ago that Russia has more nuclear weapons not just than the United States, but more nuclear weapons than NATO. So that gives you a sense of, you know, what that level of the military balance is. And yet, Lindsey Graham and Blumenthal are so invested in this that they are prepared to talk about Article 5, in other words, about World War Three against a military power like that. And I, I have to say, it, it I just... Tear out my hair, I do ask myself, do these people understand what they're doing? Have they taken complete leave of their senses? Or are they becoming so de- desperate that their level of recklessness has just driven them out of whatever senses they have? One, one little thing. It seems that there was a lot of talk about the US supplying attack missiles. The Pentagon has now come out with another statement. They say that they don't think this is a good idea. It could be that they're taking Shoigu's warnings to heart. It does look as if some people, at least in the Pentagon, are trying to hold things back. But you know, with as you rightly say, Vilnius looming over the horizon, arguments about who, who the new NATO Secretary General is going to be, um, arguments about you know what kind of framework can be agreed. For the future, because nobody seems to know quite what to do uh, with the offensive going nowhere, with the military people, people like Daniel Davis and others saying this isn't working. I mean, you can see the desperation starting to take hold.
0: I've got an idea. How about they just surrender and they admit that they've lost? Well, there's well, an know, idea. They start and they save and they save what's left of Ukraine. They prevent hundreds of thousands of people from, uh, from dying and losing their life. And we move on. How about they just admit this failed? There, there's an idea, but, but real,
1: real quick. A very, it's a very good idea. Before we continue, it's a very, yeah. very good idea. It is what they should do. If you read Daniel Davis's article in 45, he says exactly the same thing that you have said just now. He said, call off this offensive. It's clearly failing. It's destroying Ukraine's military. It's killing thousands of people to no purpose. It's weakening Ukraine. It's not making it stronger. Call it off. Retreat. Build up your own fortified lines. Sit down and negotiate with the Russians. Accept that you've lost the war. Accept that you've got to make... Big concessions, territorial concessions, concessions on your future NATO status, neutrality, and all of those things. That is the rational thing to do. Not come up with crazy ideas about nuclear power stations, if that's what they're thinking, or cross-border attacks across the Dnieper, which could be a disaster. I mean, you're absolutely right that's what they should be doing and that's what any sensible rational u.s senator u.s senator should be advising them to do not committing the united states trying to commit the united states to intervene militarily against in a doomed enterprise against a nuclear power I mean you are absolutely right and i don't think we should just Mention that, I think we should not just mention what you said. We should underline it.
0: <sighs> I mean, you, uh, the, the defense, uh, the deputy defense uh, minister of Ukraine, uh, Anya Malyar, Yes, you reminded me of something. Uh, she yeah. said a week and a half ago, that the big hit, something like this, I'm paraphrasing, the big yeah. hit in this conflict is about to come. Yes. Uh, Zelensky gave his interview to the at NBC. He talked about blowing up uh, the ZMPP. You had artificial intelligence android Budanov talked about the Zaporozhia <laughs> nuclear power plant. You had Zelensky again yesterday talking about uh, blowing up the nuclear power plant. Now you have these drills. The same day you have lindsey graham and blumenthal with this resolution obviously they're, they're they're trying to figure out a way to draw in poland romania eastern europe and the united states of america into this conflict lindsey graham and blumenthal they want to put pressure on biden with this resolution because they mentioned his name over and over. Good, good on Joe Biden for talking about new, Putin using nuclear weapons. We commend Joe Biden. Congratulations to Joe Biden for bringing this up. Obviously, they're trying to, to, to lay the foundation so that, God help us, I hope it doesn't happen. If something happens, and if that something, if that's something the, is the ZMPP, Biden is going to, to have to commit the US to something. That, that's, what that's what's going on in their heads. I'm not saying this is what's going to happen. I'm not saying this is was going to work. I'm just saying this is, this is how I'm viewing this. And uh, one final thought is, 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 you know, I never, ever imagined that they would blow up Nord Stream. Never. And when it happened, it was like, I was like, is this, this is not real. I, I, I didn't believe it. Which which is my huge worry in all of this, because if they can blow up Nord Stream and get away with it, then God knows what what, what they're going to do, given the situation right now. Because back when they blew up Nord Stream, things were better for uh, Ukraine. You can, you can make the argument that at least things were going OK for Ukraine. I guess you could say that. But now... While there's desperation and panic, who knows what uh, what they're going to do? I, I saw a video, Alexander, from the parliament in Belgium, and one politician tried to bring up Nord Stream, and the rest of the parliament was shouting him down. They didn't even want to hear it. That's how brainwashed and propagandized the Europeans are. They don't even want to hear that, oh my God, you're telling me that Biden or Ukraine or someone might have blown up Nord Stream? No, no, no. They were like this. We don't want to yeah. hear it. And they were shouting him down. Mm. It, th- this is... It, Everyone is in like a zombie, hypnotized mode, and they're, and they're just pushing towards uh, all-out uh, conflict. And what? Russia, one final thought, Russia has warned everybody. Absolutely, Russia has warned Europe. Shoigu has warned Europe and the United States. And Putin, the other day at this cadets uh, meeting at the Kremlin, he talked about the Sarmat. He talked about its range. He talked about how many warheads it can carry. He talked about what a devastating uh, missile uh, this 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 thing is. He said it's going to be deployed. He wasn't saying that to the cadets. He was speaking to the U.S. to
1: Biden and to the American people. Stop pushing us. I know, absolutely. Yeah, you're complete, I mean, Alex. I have very, I have nothing to add to every single point you've made there. I mean, all I would say is this: they have the, the, the Western leaders have been on this drunken craze ever since the Munich Security Conference in 2022. I mean, I, I remember seeing them there, and they were, they were being swept along by their own intoxication. And they've, they've never got over it. I mean, they're still trapped within, within that framework that they created for themselves then. And yes, there are some sane people who do want to push back. As I said, the Pentagon, I think it was this morning, said, you know, well, sending attackers doesn't seem to be a good idea. It doesn't make a great deal of sense, all that kind of thing. But rational arguments don't seem to pass for very much at the moment. And if there's an attack on the ZMPP, which, you know, I'm not saying there will be. I mean, I don't know that there will be, but if there is, And all the indications suggest that it is very much on someone's mind. I mean, I think we should say that. I mean, you said, you talked about the Nord Stream. They had the same thing with the Novaya Kharkovka Dam. People were talking about that being destroyed, and sure enough, it was. There's been attacks also, remember, on those two Russian ships that were guarding the Turk Stream and Blue Stream pipelines? Kirch Bridge. Kirchbridge, all of this sort of thing. I mean, this whole thing is spiralling out of control. And um, the offensive, which they'd all assumed would succeed, it isn't succeeding. And as I said, there's an atmosphere of panic in the air. Uh, no, As I said, constant changes of narrative about... What is actually going on, pretending sometimes that there isn't an offensive, other times that there is, denying that there is an offensive underway, when there clearly is. Now we grudgingly admit that there is in fact an offensive, but you know it's not going to be in the way you thought it was a marathon, or it's, a, it's uh, uh, little offensives in many places which are going to have a cumulative effect. The reality is that the people who are gaining the most ground at the moment are the Russians. You see, that's the other thing to remember, whilst the Ukrainians are stuck in Zaporozhye, in the north, it's the Russians who are making the big moves. It's they who are gaining territory at the moment, a kilometre at a time. (laughs) Just, 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 just saying all of this. So, you can see that with, with um, Vilnius looming on the horizon, there is, there is panic and uncertainty about what to do. And, People who are question. frightened and desperate can do reckless things and there doesn't, don't seem to be enough people there willing or able to restrain them.
0: Uh, final question, is Russia preparing for all this? I imagine everything well, of we're course saying, it is. Russia, well, of course. Russia knows a hundred times more about what's going on. How do you think they're processing and, and, and handling all of these Threats and resolutions and uh, drills of a nuclear catastrophe by Ukraine. How do you think
1: they're they're
0: working all this out? Well, well, F and uh, Romania. Yeah, all these well, things.
1: Yes. Well, at the moment, I mean, they're projecting an atmosphere of confidence and calm. I mean, that was partly what that Security Council meeting was supposed was about. I mean, it was it was saying, look, there's still a lot of a lot to do. Ukraine's offensive potential is not exhausted. Um, much of the Western equipment is going to come in the next few months we have to keep going as we're going but it's working for us we are actually gaining the ascendancy in this war so just keep going keep doing what we're doing and I'm sure they're taking all kinds of other precautions which they're not going to share with us obviously I mean they didn't talk about the ZMPP at that Security Council meeting or actually undoubtedly they did Undoubtedly they did, but it was not in the part of the meeting that they televised. And so they are taking their precautions. They're preparing for all of these contingencies. I don't think we can second-guess their preparations.
0: One more question. How do you think BRICS is viewing all of this? Because uh, Blinken in China, we talked about this. How do you think the Chinese are reacting to all of this stuff that's, that's making news? How do you think India is reacting? Because yeah, okay, Modi so Mo- in, in, Modi's uh, in, in Washington. So how do you think yeah. BRICS is Brazil, South Africa? How do you think they're looking at well, I, all of this, this escalation going on?
1: I think, I think most of the world, not just the BRICS, thinks, thinks that people in the West are going to start raving mad. I think that's what they mainly think. Now, Modi, Mo, we, we discussed uh, um, China, the disastrous Blinken blink visit the even more disastrous comments by Biden. We've discussed them in our last video. And I added a few comments in my own, in my own video, my own video that's recently come out on my own channel about Biden. And I've you know, shown the timeline and explained why it's clear to me that he said all of these things out of sheer anger about what happened in China. But the Modi visit to Washington is very interesting because Modi comes to Washington, he's made it absolutely clear that as far as India is concerned, the relationship with Russia is a non-negotiable one. They're not prepared to bargain on that. So Biden is trying to win Modi round, not, I think, so much against Russia anymore, but he's trying to consolidate this alliance that he wants to create with India against China. And the way he's doing it is he's giving Modi absolutely everything that Modi asks for. It's quite interesting. I mean, you know, you want this technology, you can have it. You want this type of, uh, you know, uh, um, military equipment, you can have it too. We're prepared to give you whatever we want. Now, Modi comes across to me as a very, very shrewd person. So what he's doing is he's pocketing everything that the Americans are giving to him. And he must be saying to himself, well, taking the position that I have done, keeping my equidistance between the Americans and the Russians, remaining on good terms with the Russians, showing that I can actually cosy up to the Chinese whenever I want, is giving me leverage in Washington. It means that the Americans now, out of their own desperation, are coming along and are basically giving me whatever I want. And you can see he's coming out of this visit very, very pleased and very strong. But, of course, he doesn't want to see the situation in Europe spiral out of control. He doesn't want to see the West, the Russians, in some kind of shooting war. Nobody in the world does. And if the Americans and the Europeans think that they can win over Modi, to that sort of view, well, he made it absolutely crystal clear at the G20 that that's not going to happen.
0: I agree. All right. We'll uh, leave it there at thedurant.locals.com. We are on Rumble, Odyssey, BitChute, Telegram, uh, Rockfin, and uh, go to the Durant shop. 10% off. Use the code. Good day.